the message that I would want to share with you all that the Lord has given me is why God allows crisis in our life. All of us have been going through a crisis one or the other this week. You know, I had my own crisis. I had my own problems. Sister Marie had her own problem. And every one of us had different, different problems that we faced. And it was really hard for us to uh, find peace in this crisis. And we wonder why is God allowing this crisis in our life? You know, every child of God goes through the crisis once or once in their lifetime for sure. And, you know, we, we question God in those times. Like, why am I facing a struggle? Why am I struggling? Some of us are struggling. For me, it's, it's a struggle for finding a good shelter, a good place to live in peace. Some of us are facing struggles in the relationships. Uh, some are facing struggles in their finances. Amen. Some are facing struggles in so many areas of our lives. And the list goes on and on and on. So all of us, we are. this is called as crisis. This is called as crisis of life. And every believer, every child of God has to go through that once or twice in their life. And we wonder, why am I going through this? We question God as to why such a good God allows these problems and crisis in our lives. Amen. We say, I'm going to church regularly. I'm praying regularly. I'm leading a holy life. I'm doing everything the Lord is calling me to do. Then why am I going through this, Lord? Why am I going through this problem, Jesus? Why am I going through this crisis? I don't deserve this. Amen. So many of us, we have questioned God this week. And we have asked the Lord, I don't deserve it, Lord. I'm doing everything that you're calling me to do. I'm, doing, I'm just doing exactly what you're telling me to do. So why am I facing? Why am I facing? We have to remember, church, that sometimes God allows us to go through this crisis. The number one reason is to strengthen our faith. Amen. He allows us to go through that because it's only in crisis that our faith is tested. It's only in crisis that our faith is strengthened. And it's only in crisis that we understand that we cannot do anything without God. Amen. And second reason, the most important reason is he allows crisis because he wants to get our attention to focus only on him and to rely only on him. Amen. I mean, COVID is a big crisis for the whole world. And God is trying to get our attention. We try to run to the doctors. We try to run to the vaccine. But if you see, even people getting vaccinated are still getting infected. So what is going to protect us is the blood of Jesus. Only in Christ we are protected. So he allows these problems first of all to strengthen our faith and the second reason to get our attention to focus only on him. To rely only on him. That's the reason it says in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 it says lean not on your own understanding trust in the Lord and he will make your path straight. Amen. So he's clearly saying, do not trust in your own understanding, however intellectual, however in intelligent you might be, but still do not trust in your understanding. He's telling us to trust in him, lean on him, because it's only him who can make our paths clear. 
it's only him who can solve every problem in this nation in this world you know they have great scientists who have developed the vaccine but still there's so many flaws in those vaccines amen that's the reason god is saying even though you're so highly intellectual you're so highly educated but still you're nothing compared to my wisdom we're nothing compared to god's wisdom we cannot comprehend his wisdom I mean, that's the reason he's telling you do not know your future. You do not even know if you're going to live tonight. I mean, everything is in the control of our Lord. And that's the reason he's telling us lean not on your own understanding. Trust in me and he will make our path straight. I mean, it says in Isaiah 45, chapter 45 and verse 2, this is what the, the Lord was saying to the king of Cyrus. Okay, let's read this scripture. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you hidden treasures in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. Amen. So he is the one. He's clearly saying, I will go before you. And make your crooked path straight. You might be a, a powerful king. You might have the strength. A great army. But still you're going to lose it. So trust in me. I'm going to go ahead of you. And I'm going to make. I'm going to fight your battles. I'm going to make all your crooked paths straight. Amen. So he's calling us to trust in him. Time and again God is calling us. Even whether it's the kings. Whether it's the leaders in the whole Bible. Whether it's the apostles. They had to trust in God. They had to wait upon Him. Amen. And that is what God is saying. You know, He's allowing this crisis to knock the doors of our heart. To trust in Him. To get our attention to Him. To focus on Him. To be obedient to Him. If you go, if you uh, see the situation of Peter when he was called to walk on the water. When Jesus called him to walk on the water. It was, it was really difficult for Peter to make up his mind. It's not easy when Jesus is calling you to walk on the waters. This is something uh, supernatural. This is something out of the ordinary. And it's not easy. But Peter had to trust Jesus. He had to obey Jesus. And that's the reason he had to have faith in Jesus. And that is the reason that helped Peter to walk on the waters. Amen. So let's go to Matthew chapter 14 and 14 verses 25 to 32. Let's see what helped Peter to walk on the water. Okay, Matthew 14, 25 to 32. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Amen. So when Jesus said, come, come, come towards me, you can walk, I mean, come. 
if you trust me, come. Come towards me. So Peter went on the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Amen. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Amen. So Jesus is clearly telling Peter, why did you doubt me? You were walking. You were walking on the water. What just happened? I was right there. The problem with Peter was he was obedient to Jesus and he put his faith in Jesus and he put his trust in Jesus and he also put his faith in action by walking on the water. But the problem was he was not focusing on Jesus. When the currents started coming, when the waves started coming close to him, his focus went from Jesus to those waves and that brought fear instead of faith. And that is what happens. Many of us, many believers, we are obedient to God. That is the reason Peter said, okay, Jesus, when Jesus called him. Many of us, we have faith in Jesus and we start walking on the water. And as soon as we lose focus, that is where we allow fear to grip our situation. He started good. Peter started really good. But he didn't end good. And that's the condition of many Christians, many believers. We start good. But we then, down the line, we lose focus on Jesus. Amen. That is the reason God is knocking on our heart and He's telling us to focus on Him. Amen. Many of us, we, we are obedient to Jesus. That's the reason we read the Word. That is the reason we go to church. We have faith in God. Amen. And that is the reason, you know, we are coming and we are worshipping, we are praying. Because we have faith in God. But the problem is, when problems and crises come in our life, we lose focus on Jesus. And that is where we lose our battles. We drown. We drown in the problems of life. Amen. That is when Jesus said, why did you doubt? When problems come, when crises come, we look to people to give us advice. We run to friends. We run to relatives. We run to, you know, people around us to take their suggestions, to take their advice. And, and many of us, many, they go to alcohol to ease the pain because they can't handle this crisis. Sometimes it's too heavy. The waves come so heavy that you cannot handle it. So we run to alcohol. Some run to drugs. Some run to casino because you cannot handle the waves of life. And Jesus is saying, come to me. And I will give you rest. And that is what Jesus was telling Peter. Come to me. And that is what is calling all of us to come to me. And keep your focus on me. Don't look at the waves of problems of life. Don't look at the waves. Because Jesus has the power not only to stop the waves naturally. But he has also the powers to stop the waves of problems and crises spiritually in our life amen it says in the same chapter they were all surprised verse 33 then the disciples worshipped him you really are the son of god they were saying that you are really the son of god because they were surprised that this man could 
stop the nature because Jesus once did that. If you remember it, the it, few chapters before that, there was waves and Jesus commanded those waves to stop and those waves stopped. But this time he didn't tell the waves to stop because he wanted Peter to understand that he can still walk through those waves only by focusing on him. Amen. So these crises are coming to help us understand, church, that we have to focus on Jesus. We are obedient, that's good. We are walking in faith, that is good. But if we lose our focus in Jesus, then it's not going to help us. Amen. We are going to drown. We are going to drown and we are going to go into alcohol. We are going to go into drugs. And we cannot, you know, handle those waves. That's the reason Jesus is saying, focus on me. Focus on me. As long as we focus on Jesus, we can walk through the problems of life. We can easily and smoothly walk through every crisis in our life. So what happened with Peter? Instead of faith, Peter allowed fear to take control of him. And that is when he started to drown. Fear is just the opposite of faith. Because the word clearly says in First, uh, First Timothy chapter two verse seven, it says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a power and of a soundness of mind." So where does this fear come from, church? The spirit of fear comes from the enemy, because fear is so powerful that can easily cripple our faith. And when our faith is crippled, we are open for the enemy to come and attack us. And the number one arsenal that the enemy uses is fear. I still remember when I was going to the church uh, after the Sunday service, Pastor Jose said, Sister, uh, I believe it was Sister Lydia, Sister Lydia, I feel like you have a word for Sister Sheba. And I was surprised. And I turned back to her and she said, Sheba, God is showing me that you're filled with the spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, sister. God has given you a spirit of faith. And you have to walk in faith. Amen. So God was looking at my fear. And because of the fear, I was not able to move strong in the Lord. Fear is such a, uh, is, is such a powerful force that can cripple us. That can cripple our faith. Uh, that can cripple our health physically. It can bring depression, it can bring anxiety, it can raise blood pressure. It can, you know, bring so many problems in our life. So fear comes from the enemy. So don't allow fear. And that's what Peter did. He allowed fear. As soon as he saw the waves, he allowed fear to take control of him. And Jesus was right there. And he knew that Jesus did this miracle before. Jesus had the power to stop the waves. He saw that, but still... He allowed fear to grip him. And that is when he started drowning. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? You, were, you started good. You were doing things good. You were obedient to me. You were focusing in me. You were faithful in me. What happened? Amen. So God is allowing this crisis to get our attention. Sometimes he allows this to get our focus back to him. Amen. So only the good thing about Peter compared to all the disciples was he was willing to, obe to, to be obedient to Jesus. And he took a bold step of faith. Whereas if you see the rest of the disciples on the boat, 
were not exercising faith. They were controlled by fear. It was only Peter who said, okay, Lord. And he took a risk, a risk of faith. He, he, he put his faith in action, but whereas the rest of them, even though they saw the miracles of Jesus, just a couple of chapters before that, I believe it's the same chapter, verse 15 to 21, it says that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread. They saw the miracle of Jesus. So many miracles, they have been with Jesus, they walked with Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they saw the miracles of Jesus, but they still didn't trust Jesus. They didn't put their complete faith in Jesus. It was only Peter who said, yes, Lord, I will come. I will walk on the waters, as you said. Amen. And some of us are like that, those disciples who are still holding on to fear and still stuck on that boat and not willing to move forward towards Jesus, not willing to focus on Jesus, not willing to take that risk to walk on the waters. Amen. It says in Mark chapter 6, verses 5 to 6, it says that Jesus couldn't heal many because of their unbelief. Many were healed, but there were many. They were in different places. Jesus went and he was surprised. And many of them were not healed. And the reason was their unbelief in Jesus. Let's go to Mark chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. It says that because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Verse 6, just one sentence, it says he was amazed, he was surprised at their unbelief. Sometimes God is surprised at us when we don't put our faith and trust in Him and run to people, run to alcohol. And God is surprised, man, I did so many great miracles in this person's life, then why are they not focusing on me? Why are they running? Why are they leaning on their own understanding? Why are they not trusting me? I mean, time and again, God has done great miracles in each and every one of our lives. He has done great healings, great deliverance have taken place. But down the line, we lose focus on Jesus and we allow the fear to grip us. And that fear cripples our walk with God. It opens the door for the enemy to bring depression, bring anxiety, bring weakness and health issues. Amen. So God allows this crisis to knock on our heart, to get our attention and focus on Him. Amen. It also says about the children of Israel that they couldn't reach the promised land. The number one reason was because of their unbelief. It says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19. It says, so we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So, you know, the, the writer of Hebrew is telling about the Israelites. They couldn't enter the promised land. They couldn't enter the land of rest that God had for them. They couldn't enter that rest, the promised rest, because of their unbelief. They were constantly rebelling God. They were constantly pushing and fighting against God. They were disobedient to God. They have seen so many great miracles of God. They saw the Red Sea being, uh, the dividing of the Red Sea right in front of their eyes. They saw God sending food from heaven. 
They saw God bringing water from a rock. Such great powerful miracles, but still they were not willing to be obedient to God. They were living in unbelief. And because of their unbelief, it says they were not able to enter the rest. Amen. God has a promised rest, church, for each one of his children. For each one of us, God has a promised rest, a promised land, a land where we'll experience the promise and the blessings of God, where we experience the peace and joy of the Lord. This peace and joy of the world is not permanent, but the true peace comes only in Christ. And when we try to search for peace in this world, in alcohol and so many other things, but it's going to be for a time only, for, for a couple of days, but then the hangover leaves and you feel the same depression comes back, the same anxiety comes back, the same fear comes back. But the true peace comes only in Christ. Amen. So there is a promised land, a promised land of rest for each one of us. And because of our unbelief, if you are constantly living in unbelief in God, we cannot reach the promised rest that God has for us. Amen. So we have to work on our faith. We have to put our focus on Jesus and be obedient to him. It says in Acts chapter 14, verse 9, it talks about Paul preaching and the person, just by hearing him preach, had the faith in God and that faith brought healing to his legs. Let's go to Acts chapter 14 and verse 9. It says, and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him, Paul realized he had the faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now look at the difference between Jesus healing the people and here Paul is not laying his hands. Just by preaching, the person was healed. And here Jesus is laying hands on people and still they are not healed. I mean, Jesus is God himself. He is God in flesh and still they were not healed. It was because of their unbelief. And here Paul was preaching. And this man, just by listening to the message, was filled with faith in God. And that faith brought healing. Amen. So you can see two different categories of people. One with unbelief and one with belief in God. Amen. So our faith can bring healing in our situations. Our obedience to God can bring healing in every area of our life. Our focus on Jesus can bring miracles. It's our faith and obedience to God, especially during a crisis, will bring supernatural miracles. Especially during crisis, church. You have to exercise your faith. You have to exercise your obedience to God. And it will bring supernatural miracle. Look at Moses. It says in Exodus chapter 14 verses 15 to 16. It was Moses' obedience and faith in God that divided the Red Sea. I mean God didn't have to wait on Moses. You know God is a powerful God. He's the one who created the nature. I mean he, he could have just said you know uh, the Red Sea to be divided. And he could have just commanded directly. He didn't have to wait on Moses. But God had to wait on Moses because God was trying to get his attention. 
to make Moses understand that he has to wait, he has to trust in God, he has to be obedient to his instructions. And God said, just raise your, raise your uh, stick and turn towards the Red Sea and I'm going to divide it. And that built faith, that built his trust in God. Sometimes our obedience and faith in God can bring great miracles in our life, church. Let's go to the same chapter, Exodus chapter 14 and verses 15 to 16. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Amen. So it was Moses' obedience to God's word. God, when, when God told him to just lift up his staff, he was obedient and he had faith in God that God will come through. And that obedience and that faith in God divided the Red Sea. If you look at the condition of Moses, he was in a desperate situation. He felt like he was pushed against a wall with no way out. He was pushed against a wall and time was running short and the, and the enemy was coming very close. I didn't have any choice. He didn't have any option. There was Red Sea right in front of him and he didn't know what to do. And that is when his faith and obedience was tested. Amen. And that is when we are tested when we are pushed against a wall. Some of us have gone through that. We are pushed against a wall like Moses was. We don't know what to do. We are just, we're just standing there. We, we don't know what to do. We don't have any option. But we have the only option is to cry out to God. And that is what Moses did. He cried out to God. He cried so bitterly, Lord, help us, Lord. The army is behind us and the sea is in front of us. Lord, help us. We don't know which way to go. Show us the way. And that was the best part of Moses that he cried out to God. And that is what many Christians may miss out on. When we are pushed against the wall, instead of crying out to God, we run to people. We run to you know, friends and we try to take their advice. We try to take the direction from them instead of running to God. Amen. Sometimes God pushes us to those situations just to see are we going to put our focus on Him like Peter did or are we going to put focus on the waves and the crisis of life and keep crying and grumbling over it. Amen. God has given us time. We have to cry out to God. Not to waste our time, you know, spending with our friends and colleagues and just discussing and grumbling and crying over it. And that is what Moses did. He cried out to God. And God immediately answered him. He said, why are you crying? I'm here for you. Just lift up your staff and I'm going to divide the Red Sea. So when you cry out to God in those times, church, he will give you an instruction what you need to do. And when you're obedient, that brings miracle. When you're faithful, that brings miracle. A supernatural miracle took place and the Red Sea was divided. Amen. It's our faith and obedience in God that we will achieve victory in every area of our life. A very good example is David. David was just a boy and Goliath was a giant. But if you see the faith of David, because of his faith in God, he was able to receive victory 
the whole nation of Israel. I mean, Israel was a strong army. They had great men. But they were so filled with fear that crippled them to go and fight Goliath. And the only difference was David, though he was a little boy, he was full of faith in God. And because of the faith, he was able to defeat Goliath. Amen. Our faith in God can defeat Goliaths in our life, church. Whatever Goliaths of problems we have, our faith can defeat all those problems. Another good example is Noah. When God called him to build the ark, I'm going to destroy the whole world. Build the ark. And Noah said, yes, Lord. And Noah was obedient. He had full faith in God. And he put his faith in action by building the ark. Whereas the rest of the world were laughing at him. They were mocking Noah. They were jeering at him. And there's something wrong with Noah. There's no rain. Why is he building the ark? There's something wrong with Noah. And it says that Noah was you know, condemning the world. He was telling them to repent. Repent of your sin. God is bringing floods. The whole world is going to get destroyed. Repent. Repent. And none of them were listening. They were laughing and they were enjoying in sin. And Moses, I'm sorry, Noah was the only one who was obedient to God, who put his faith in God. And because of that church, not only Noah was saved, but his whole family was saved. I mean, your obedience to God and your faith in God will not only save you, but it's going to save your whole family. God will protect your whole family because of one man's obedience. That's what it says. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. Jesus, it says Jesus, one act of obedience to go on the cross brought salvation and right standing before God. But one act of uh, Adam's disobedience brought sin and death and sickness to the world. Thank God for Jesus. Though he was pushed in the corner, he was not willing to go on the cross. It says that he was crying drops of blood the day before, the night before the crucifixion. He was telling, Lord, I don't want to go on the cross. I don't want to go on the cross. He was crying. And then in the end, he said, let your will be done, Lord. Not my will, but let your will be done. And because of his obedience to God to go on the cross, we all have a right standing. And today Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and is going to come back again and rule us for eternity. Amen. That's, that is a blessing if you're obedient to God, especially when you're pushed in the corner, corner of your life when you don't know where to go, which direction to go for. That is when you have to cry out to God and he's going to send his reply like he did with Moses. Amen. So our faith and our obedience in God will bring supernatural miracles. The same is with Abraham. Abraham received his promise because of his obedience to God. When God called him to sacrifice his only son that he waited for 100 years and still God had to test him and still Abraham passed the test. He was willing to sacrifice his son because he loved God. God was his number one priority. Amen. Because of that, not only Abraham was blessed, but his whole family from generations to generations were blessed. Amen. So what do we do in situations where we are pushed in the corner like Moses is? We are called to cry out to God. We are called 
to put our faith in God. Faith is very important, church. Our faith in God can bring victory in our life. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says that every child of God can defeat this evil world and we receive victory only through our faith. Only through faith we can receive victory over this evil world. And again, Jesus showed us the importance of faith. If you go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there without doubting, and it will move. So even as faith of a mustard seed is enough to move a great mountain. So you can imagine how much emphasis Jesus is putting on our faith. Our faith in God is very important, especially during the times of crisis. So the crisis comes, number one reason, as I shared, to get our focus on Jesus. Because Peter, though he was obedient, though he was full of faith, he lost when he lost his focus, that is when he was drowning. So God allows this crisis, though we are going to church, we are doing good, we are living a holy life. Still, God expects us to keep our focus on Him. Keep our focus on Him, especially during crisis. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So he's telling that by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, he initiates and perfects our faith. Amen. It's Jesus. When you focus on Jesus, only then your faith is initiated, church. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Only on focusing on Jesus, your faith is strengthened. But if your focus is in the, in the people, if your focus and trust is in the pastor, if your focus and trust is in the, in the minister, in the church, or, or any person in your life, it could be your spouse, it could be your children, if your focus is on them and not on Jesus, you're going to lose the battle. As simple as that. And that is what happened with Peter. He was putting all his focus on the waves and the crisis around him rather than putting his focus on Jesus. Amen. And many of us, we do that. When crisis comes, we put our focus away from Jesus. Amen. So the number one reason he brings crisis is to get our attention, to get our focus on Jesus. Now the second reason why God allows crisis is to humble us before God. Amen. God wants to humble us. There are certain things that we do that is not pleasing in the eyes of God. So he allows these problems to come us, to shake us, to humble us before God. Because his word says that pride goes before a fall. Sometimes God blesses us and we get prideful. We allow pride to take control of us. So when we are blessed, we have to be more humble. The more humble we are, the more God is going to bless us. And the more God is going to raise us. And the more God is going to use us. Amen. So the crisis come is to humble us before God. If you see the story of Jonah, you know, he was a prophet of God. He was a servant of God. He was an anointed of God. But he still disobeyed God. 
It says in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, this is the message that the Lord gave to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship living for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So you see, he's trying to run away from God. God told him to go to Nineveh and he went to Tarshish. And it says that he was trying to escape from God. We cannot escape from God, church. You know, Jonah was anointed of God. He was a servant of God. He was working in the anointing of a prophet. But still, he disobeyed God. And that is when God sent the fish, the whale, to swallow him. And that was the crisis that Jonah had to face. And because God allowed that crisis to come upon him. It says in the same chapter, verse 17, and, the, and now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So that was a terrible time for Jonah. He was trying to escape from God, but he couldn't. How much ever we try to escape from God, we think God is not watching what I'm doing. God is not listening to what I'm saying, but God is listening. And that is what happened with Jonah. He was trying to escape from God. He was trying to hide from God. And God sent this whale. And the whale swallowed him. And he was in the, in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And look at what Jonah did. Uh, Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. It says, And Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. Amen. So Jonah humbled himself immediately. He said, Lord, I repent. Please forgive me, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Those were the cries of a humble heart. Those were the cries of a humble spirit. And a prayer of a humble heart and a humble spirit brings answers, immediate answers. Amen. And that is what happened. God saw his humbleness. He was not praying with the prayer of pride. He was not praying with the prayer of arrogance. But it was a humble prayer. Lord, I'm sorry, Father. I repent. You told me to go to Nineveh and I disobeyed you. And because of his humbleness, God allowed the fish to vomit and he was saved. It says in chapter verse 10, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Amen. So why did God allow this crisis in Jonah's life? Was because he was disobedient to God. He was not trusting God. He was so full of fear that the people that God is telling me to go and preach to are going to kill me. So he was not walking in faith, but he was walking in fear of people. He didn't trust God that the Lord would command him to go and preach judgment is the same God who's going to protect him. Is the same God who's going to save him. Amen. So he didn't trust God completely. He didn't trust. He didn't put his faith in God. He allowed fear to take control of him. And that is the reason 
God had to bring this crisis in his life. And that is why many Christians do that. We have seen the miracles of God. Though we are servants of God, though we are preachers and pastors and you know, working in the anointing of God, still we allow the flesh sometimes to take control of us. And the spirit of fear comes in the flesh. We don't walk in the spirit. We, we walk in the flesh and that's the problem. And he allowed fear to grip him. And because of that fear, he disobeyed God. And that is what many of us, we do. We fear God when God is telling us to go and do that. And God is going, telling us to go and meet this person or, or do certain things. We fear. We allow the fear of the people to grip us. And because of that, God cannot move in our life. Because God moves only when we move in the spirit of faith. Amen. So that is what happened with Jonah. He was disobeying God and secondly how he allowed fear to take control of his life. And God had to send this crisis and he humbled himself and he cried out to God. And God was looking for that humble spirit in Jonah. Not a prideful, not an arrogant spirit, but a humble spirit who was crying out to God with a humble heart. And he repented and immediately God Sent the, uh, ordered the fish to spit Jonah out. Amen. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 2 that we use every time, every Friday to pray for the nation. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 it says Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray for pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and restore their land Amen so this is what the Lord is telling to the nation of Israel if my people those are his children the Christians if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves first and foremost thing God expects is humble humbling ourselves before God Amen. He's saying if you humble yourself and the rest goes on. But the first attitude that he expects from us is a humbleness church. And many of us, we fail in that area. We pray, we fast, we do a lot of things, but we don't humble ourselves and that's a problem. And that is what God expects. And that is what God expected from Jonah. And I still remember long time back uh, when Pastor Jose was still alive, there was the sister, she's a preacher, of a very big church and she came to our church and God released a word to that sister through Pastor Jose and God said, Sister, I want to use you to preach preach my message but I'm looking for humble preachers. I'm not looking for silver-tongued preachers. I still remember that very freshly imprinted, imprinted in my mind. Very clearly he said, I'm looking for humble preachers. I'm not looking for silver-tongued preachers. That clearly shows that God wants humbleness. Humbleness is the number one priority for God to bless our life and to use us in a greater way. The more humble you are, the more God is going to bless us. The more doors God is going to open for us. You know, if you see the great men and women of God, in the past, whether it's Billy Graham, William Schumer, they were men of humble spirit. 
They were so humble. Many people who came across, across them, they said that Billy Graham was such a humble man, was such a humble spirit. You don't have to go and preach to people. Just by our attitude, people will come to God, will come to God, will come to Christ. Because Jesus himself was a humble son of God. He humbled himself to the point of a shameful death on the cross. He didn't have to. He could have just ordered the angels and would have destroyed all those people. But he humbled himself to the point of a shameful death on the cross. And that is the reason God has elevated him to such a high position. Because of humbleness. God looks at our humbleness, church. He wants us to be humble in our prayers. Humble in every area of our life. Why do I say that? Because if you go to James chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Amen. So when you humble yourself before God, He will lift you up in honor. You know, He will bring honor in your life. People will honor you because you're humbling yourself before God. We are not called to humble ourselves before the president or, or to the people, but we are called to humble ourselves first and foremost to our God. Amen. And again it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, here James is telling us to humble and he will lift us up in honor. And let's see what Peter says about humbleness. Okay, go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Amen. So He's telling if you humble yourself, He will lift you up in honor at the right time. At the right time. Amen. God wants to honor our life. God wants to bless our life. But He's looking at us. Are we being like Peter, not focusing on Jesus? Are we being like Jonah, running from God? Amen. Or are we being like those disciples still stuck in the boat? gripped with fear, not allowing the faith uh, to control them? Are we being people like that? So God is observing, God is watching. And that is when we are called to humble ourselves. That is why we are called to focus on Him. So He allows this crisis, church, as I, as I said, first, to get our attention and focus on Jesus. Second, to humble us before God. Amen. And it says, uh, again, same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Amen. So give all your cares and worries to God. Don't run to people. Don't depend on your intellectual mind. You know, trust in the Lord and He will make a path straight. So give all your cares and worries. Don't give your cares and worries to your people around you. Because they cannot understand what you're going through. It's only God who can understand. Because He is the one who allows those problems to come because He wants to get something out of us. And that is our faith. He wants to get us out of fear and to put our complete focus on Him. So we have to run to Him. That's what He's saying. Come to me. That's what Jesus is saying. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus is telling us with His arms wide open, why do you go, go to people? Come to me and I will give you rest. You'll find complete rest, true peace only in Christ. The peace you find in alcohol is going to be for temporary with a lot of side effects. But when you come to Christ, you are going to experience the true peace and the true joy that comes from Him. 
Amen. If you see Paul and Peter, they were thrown in the prison and they were still singing and re rejoicing. Why? Because they were filled with the peace of God. Because they were so focused on Jesus that the, even the prison and the chains didn't bother them. Instead of crying and grumbling, they were singing praises to God. Amen. Why? Because they were running to Jesus. And the number the third, the, the third reason why God allows crisis in our life is to strengthen our faith. We have faith. We have faith of a mustard seed. That's the reason we are coming on the Sunday service. That's the reason we are listening to the message. That's the reason we are praying. That's the reason we are reading the Bible. That's the reason we are focusing on Jesus. Because we have a faith of a mustard seed. Now he's calling us to grow strong and increase our faith muscles. Strengthen our faith. And when does this faith come, church? It comes only in crisis. The faith doesn't come when we are happy. The faith doesn't come when we are, everything is going the way we expected. Faith doesn't come in those times. Faith comes and grows, especially during crisis. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 9 to 10, it says, this is what Paul was saying uh, to the church in Corinthians. He said that he was going through so much of struggle, so much of pain in prisons. He had a very hard life, but he was telling every time that Jesus would come to him and encourage him. And this is what Jesus said. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast upon my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships, persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a wonderful God we have, church. Here Paul is clearly saying that whenever he's going through struggle, Jesus is coming and telling him, my grace, grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for my power is made perfect in weakness. Amen. So his power is made perfect when we are not when we are strong. His power is made perfect in our weakness, in our crisis, in our problems in our tribulations, that is when his power is more strong, is what Jesus is telling Paul. And he's telling us the same thing. It is during the crisis that we can experience the true power of God. It is only during the crisis we can experience the true peace of God. Amen. So he's telling us to run to him because this crisis is coming to strengthen our faith. Amen. It says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and that will keep you strong. Amen. So what is Paul telling the Ephesians? He's telling them that as you trust in God, your roots will grow down into God's <coughs> into God's love and that will keep you strong. We have to allow our faith muscles to grow strong. And that is possible when we allow our roots 
to grow deep down in Jesus. Amen. And that if the roots are strong, the whole tree will be strong. I mean, if you see the winds, if it's a weak plant, it cannot stand the wind. But if it's a strong plant, it all depends on its root. Amen. If the roots are strong, it's going to withstand the wind. If the roots are strong, it's going to produce more fruits. If the roots are strong, the plant is going to live for long. If the roots are strong, the leaves will always be green. Amen. So is our life. If our roots are strong in God, in Jesus, we are going to be like the plant that will grow strong, that will pro uh, produce much fruits. Amen. Will be a blessing and a shade to people. Amen. So God wants to build our roots. We, it's, that's the reason he allows this crisis so that our strength is growing strong, that our roots are growing stronger and stronger in him. Amen. It says in John 15, 4 to 5, Jesus is calling himself the true vine and we as the branches. So if we are in Christ, we are going to be a strong branch. We are going to be a strong Christian you're going to be a strong believer. Whatever crisis come, we can face it with with no uh, no problems. That's what happened with Paul and Peter, though they were in the prison. You know, there was so much of chaos, but still they were strong. They were worshiping the Lord. It's not easy to worship God when you're in a prison or when you're going through a crisis. But you can experience true peace and true joy that comes only during crisis. That will enable us to worship God. Amen. So I'm going to close with this last scripture. If you go to Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 32 to 38. It says think back on those early days when you learned. First learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful. Even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Amen. So it's saying verse 35. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patience, endurance is what you need now. And you will continue to do God's will. That then you will receive all that he has promised. Amen. So if you want to receive all the plans God has for our life, we have to endure patience. We have to endure. We have to endure and we can endure when we are strong in the Lord. But if you are not strong in the Lord, if your faith is not strong in the Lord, if your focus is not on Jesus, you cannot endure for long. You're going to cripple. It's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your, your relationship. It's going to affect every area of our lives. Because we are not strong church. But our God is a strong God. He's a powerful God. He's a mighty God. And that is what is calling us to grow our roots deep in Him. Amen. Focusing on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So God is calling us to strengthen our faith muscles. And how does faith come, church? Faith comes by focusing on Jesus. 
Faith comes by spending time with Jesus. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. So we have to build our faith muscles because faith brings victory in every area of our lives. And God wants us to come out victorious in whatever situation we are going through. God wants us to come out of it victoriously. And that's the reason He's allowing crisis to strengthen us. Amen. He's allowing this crisis to strengthen our trust in Him. He's allowing this crisis to humble ourselves before Him. He's allowing this crisis to completely focus on Jesus and not in our own understanding. And when we do that, church, God is going to do supernatural miracle because remember, Jesus not only has the power to stop the waves of the sea, he not only has the power on the natural, but he also has the power on the spiritual. He's going to calm the storms in our life too. Not only in the, in the river, but also in our life. God has the power to stop all the storms, all the crises in our life. The only thing he expects through this crisis is to put our complete focus on him and to put our complete faith in him. Amen. And thirdly, to humble ourselves before him. And when we do that, we're going to come out victoriously. Amen. So that's the message. I hope it's going to be a blessing to all those who are listening on the podcast.